Okay, we've we've arrived on Perry the Sid in Plain Sight, and to my right, star of all things, Blaze TV, the one and only Mr. Brandon Steele. You know, I was listening to Smash Mouth All-Star, and yeah. just thinking, you know, we gotta appreciate David while we have him. All that glitters is still gold in David's Cause, world. Because <laughs> one day he'd be here, and the next day he could die of liver failure. Yeah, well, we'll get into some... Ain't it always funny which artists drink themselves to death? Yeah, how great is it? The fucking walking on, yeah. uh, walking I'm on the walking sun. walking on sunshine. Yeah, that Ooh. fucking guy is the one who uh, drank himself drank to himself death. Drank himself to death. <laughs> I like there was, I didn't mean to get off on this tangent, but there was there were people trying to uh, drag him right after his death for doing the Nazi salute thing. when he. You remember that? When he, this like the third time he got blackout drunk on yeah. stage. Look, it and doesn't he's just count. going around like, Heil yeah. Hitler. <laughs> it's the Smash Mouth guy. They're playing uh, fucking all-star uh, and he's heidling Hitler. Look, it was, it was such a good bender, it killed him. That's all but, you really need to know. Well, that's my, like... The guy was obvi- obviously he was blackout drunk. That was yeah. not, dude. We watched him drop a cup of water on stage and not even flinch. There, when they were performing All Star, the guitar player was singing it because he was like too drunk to to make noises with his mouth. Yeah, in hindsight, how come no one like stepped in? Because uh, you got question. You got to drink pretty heavy and pretty unregulated for your just liver to fail. Oh, yeah, for a long time. Yeah, you got to be putting in work. I mean, the the truly depressing thing is I think it, it was early 2000s when his uh, kid died of, like, leukemia. That's why he became an alcoholic. Well, that'll do it. Yeah, everything's a lot less funny when you find the root cause. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that well, not... the actions are still funny. The origin story is just a bummer. Yeah, maybe I'm in a unique position where I'm much more uh, willing to cut those people some slack because I, I get it. Look, you do some things sometimes. It, you it didn't makes mean sense. to do it. Yeah. You were, you were under the influence of a variety of substances. Someone who does not have that excuse is David Wilcock. This is uh, finally the last book well, in the Michael Prophecy. All right, the one thing I will give him is he seems to be smoking weed again. There's something else, and we'll get into that today. I think, maybe. And then uh, we also get some very good insight into his state of mind at the end of this book, which I think it reveals a lot. Hell yeah, dude. So uh, before we you know, get all the way into this, this is officially, this is... The last book of this Michael Prophecy thing. Now, that doesn't mean it's the last Michael Prophecy book. He's going to put out another one, but for some reason, he's decided this is where this ends. You know, David is just like Smash Mouth. Yeah, kind of. He, he, he had one good record like 22 years ago. Yep. And, and he's now been, he's just putting out garbage. He's been playing the hits. But he's, he's still got a dedicated fan base because they all just want to go see him play fucking All-Star. Well, David David needs his Shrek moment because that's really what uh, catapulted uh, Smash Mouth into I've, at some the point, stratosphere. At some point, we're going to do a legitimate community push to bully David into letting us produce something. Yes, he needs someone to bring him back into the uh, the realm he needs of to just, ancient aliens. Look, and David, such. you need to put your pride away for a minute Yes, and just suck it up and come make fun of TikToks with us. Well, I don't think the pride's going anywhere because along with the announcement uh, that this is the final book of this series, he announced that he will now be doubling the price. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, he's no longer selling it as a bundle. Uh, I think we got, well, first of all, Chet bought it for us. So thank you to Chet who uh, gifted us these books to be able to cover. 
but he's no longer selling it as a bundle for whatever, 75 bucks, 100 bucks. It will now be $200 minimum for the books. And on top of that, the audiobooks are no longer bundled. You'll have to buy those separately, meaning this whole thing is going to end up being somewhere in the four to $500 range. Man, there must not be enough people buying those. It seems a bit pricey to me. Five hundred dollars yeah. for uh, for this is um, yeah. The key to churning out books like this is to sell them cheap. Yes, or maybe uh, put them out as actual books instead of uh, weird PDF files. Well, you know he's doing it DIY style. All right, author's preface. Part one, uh, David starts this by kind of taking a victory lap. His basic claim here is that uh, even his detractors have, uh, have accepted these channeling sessions as having occurred in the 90s. For some reason, he's really focused on this. I think he thinks his prophecy has been so accurate thus far mm-hmm. That the only way to discredit him is to prove he channeled these after the events took place. Like he's writing them now to put in the book. No, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. so he thinks because no one has attacked the validity of when he channeled these, it means we accept the prophecy, which is not true. Strange (laughs) logic, how I would rationalize it. Well, to him, it's so fucking accurate, there's nothing else you could hit on. So, uh... to make it abundantly clear, I fully believe he channeled these in the 90s. I don't have any doubt about that. I just think they're worthless. Yeah, I don't think it matters when. And quite frankly, I don't know how you could read what I've read and come to any other conclusion. Yeah, It's pure insanity. More importantly than that, though, uh, Petunia has had an additional seven baby turkeys. So I'm hoping we get some uh, wildlife Damn. footage. David's just got a whole tribe of turkeys. Yeah. So maybe maybe once uh, they come out and the weather gets a bit nicer, he'll be he'll be back to making videos. Then, uh, oh man, there's a lot of Q stuff in this book. He's he's kind of coming out of the Q closet again. I, I don't think he can. It, he can't quit it. He's addicted. No. Uh, so in in this preface one, he he says Trump apparently dissolved some kind of treaty between the U.S. and the U.K. and he announced this dissolution of the treaty by he was at some event with Queen Elizabeth and he walked slightly ahead of her. And somehow that was supposed to represent, quote, the dissolution of the U.S. corporation, which I, he didn't really explain how. Because he walked in front of the queen? Yes, I guess that was a metaphor of some variety. But uh, even stranger is he then claims Trump has flown back 650 planes worth of gold from the Vatican. Well, thank God. That seems like a very easy claim to fact check. That's a lot of planes and gold, yeah. Because you can track flights. Yeah. So, you know, there's that kid who did the Elon flight tracker. Someone would probably be able to... Track the gold planes? 650 planes out of the the same location would probably be... It's the Vatican, not just any location. Yeah. Now we're on to author's preface, part two. Uh, This section has David praising himself for being brave enough to put out this information... And then he just immediately segues into an extended excerpt from the Ascension Mysteries. He does that again in this book. Now, at least most of the the extended excerpts we get in this one are his own works. He's not just reprinting someone else's book, but still, it's a bit tiring to 
Like, David, we've read your other books. I don't need to re-read. We've probably read them multiple times just reading other books. Yeah. Now, one interesting tidbit he included in here is that uh, Aleister Crowley was taught how to properly summon demons by a gray alien that called itself Lamb. That he fucked in the ass. Probably. He didn't really go anywhere else with that. He just kind of threw that in there and then kept it moving. Just threw the, threw the line away? And then some bad news. The Alliance, uh, which Corey, do keep in mind, Corey Good has said the Alliance failed, so I'm not even sure they're supposed to exist anymore. Yeah, I thought they lost. Yeah, well, according to Corey, they have, but uh, I guess David might have not got the memo because he says the Alliance has confirmed that the Maui fires were directed energy weapon attacks. Sick. And uh, he also said the bad news for us is that the next greatest risk of attack is Texas and Arizona. Oh, God, we better paint the building blue. <laughs> yes, I only sleep in blue clothing. Or, it's the or, only way we can avoid the direct energy weapons is the color blue. I'm pretty sure at some point in here he also claims a few hurricanes. That's what blue is the warmest color was actually about, is directed energy weapons. Yes, and, Jewish and their, lasers. <laughs> and their pussies. We're, uh, yeah, so we're going to get to the vaccines here. Um, he finally kind of just went for it, which is nice. I do want to be clear. I'm not going to make any claims about the vaccines or like any of the side effects or shit like that. This is purely a rebuttal to David's yeah, nonsense. No, David said this. There's a big difference between people who think the vaccines may not have been properly vetted and people who think the vaccines give you Wi-Fi and magnetizes your it's body. It's a soft kill weapon. Yes, it's a bit different. Um, so David... He claims that the vaccines allow people to broadcast their own MAC address. Like if you pull up. I've heard that one before. Yeah, it's not true. Um, (laughs) The the person responsible for this research is a dude named Dr. Pedro Chavez Zavala. Now, unfortunately, all the information about the good doctor is uh, mostly written in Spanish. Luckily, I can kind of read Spanish, but it doesn't take a genius to figure out he's full of shit. The first result when you search for his name is just titled Disinformante, which <laughs> does translate to disinformation. Disinformante. Yeah, well, David David likes to do this move. He, he'll refer to people as doctors, but then not explain... What they're doctors of? Yeah, because he did that, I think, uh, with one of the pyramid guys. Uh, he who talked a lot about biology. His doctorate was in, like, engineering. This guy's doctorate, it's not even a doctorate. He went to the College of Acupuncture and got (laughs) his doctorate is in quantum medicine. I don't even know what that is. It's not something you learn at acupuncture school. That's uh, He's not a real doctor. And I... I probably shouldn't have to explain this, but no, people who got the vaccine do not emit Wi-Fi signals. But just for the sake of thoroughness, we can dig into the film David watched that uh, swayed him here. It's a film called Blue Truth. Um, In addition to containing our our quantum acupuncture doctor, it also contains a doctor by the name of Andreas Kalker, who promoted alternative treatments for COVID-19. It should be noted that doctor's treatments have been linked to a variety of deaths in uh, Argentina. The documentary also makes claims about uh, vaccinated people becoming magnetic. I I did try both of those. Like, I brought out the thing they did in the movie to check for MAC addresses and stuff and then put a magnet on me. I am neither magnetized nor do I admit my own MAC address. That means you get to live. Much to my chagrin. Although, I guess, you know, if the deep state knew I was trying to figure it out, they could, they could deactivate me. 
Yeah, I guess. I mean, you, if you have a phone in your pocket, you basically already have all that. Well, the funny thing is, <clears throat> in the movie, in the scenes where they're doing it, they don't really show that the people who are admitting, people who are admitting these MAC addresses don't have electronic devices on them. Yeah, my favorite was the lady who went to a city council, and she was like, look, I'm magnetic, oh, yeah. and kept trying to put a spoon on her neck, and it just kept falling off. She's like... All right, well, I guess it's not working right now, but I was magnetic. I'm telling you, the deep state deactivates it. They know when you're going to try and prove them wrong. Made that bitch look ultra foolish. They make you look silly. Uh, That Dr. Andreas Kalker, he he promotes um, cleaning your pussy with chlorine dioxide. He uh, He's a big fan of chlorine dioxide. He thinks it cures everything. That's his specialty. Yeah, so he says it can cure cancer, Alzheimer's, autism, pretty much anything. That's cool. So David David has literally been tricked by a legitimate snake oil salesman. David's just drinking chlorine oxide? Dioxide, yes. Dioxide. Uh, he's, so, yes, he bought fucking like a miracle tonic from a guy selling yeah, it off dude. a buggy, basically. Oh, God, what's he trying to treat? Uh, Please don't ma- make me not be gay. Well, he... <laughs> oh, God, I want to be gay. Don't it didn't gay work. <laughs> He uh, he kept hinting that in the final book of this series, he would tell you how to deactivate uh, the microchip implanted by the Eat vaccine. a bullet. That is the only way. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, chlorine dioxide, I think, is he's claiming you take it as like a nasal spray to deactivate the deep state nano chips. I like David just chopping up lines of this shit. A pool, oh. Of pool cleaner. Yeah. Railing it. Uh, the claim the documentary makes... Also, they they get into the uh, the graphene in the vaccine, which is one thing. But then he says once the graphene enters the body, it becomes graphene oxide, and those molecules are able to auto-assemble in the body to form electronic devices, which is a bit of an extravagant claim. Now, to be fair to the film, if you look around, you can find papers about using graphene oxide in nanocomposite films to help in the self-assembly of bioproduced polymers, but the stuff it assembles into are very basic materials and nothing near as complex as would be required to be a functioning electronic device. Yeah, I'd assume it'd take a lot of nanobots. Well, this section kind of sucked me in. I ended up doing a bunch of research. I, I got sidetracked for like three hours reading the <laughs> book. Uh, graphene oxide is interesting. It's a single atom layer thick structure composed of sp2-bonded carbons, and uh, the functional groups on the edge of the sheets are incredibly useful in the creation of carbon-based materials. Where the idea falls apart is that the graphene oxide sheets form this uh, sort of film by van der Waals forces, which, if you recall back to high school chemistry, it's one of the weakest forms of intermolecular attraction with London dispersion forces being the weakest and dipole-dipole forces being a stronger version. So basically, even even if they're able to assemble, as he's saying they would, they would quickly fall apart because the the strength that binds them together would be insufficient. Although I would suppose he just claims some other sort of magic keeps them together. Probably just say these are the better ones. Yeah, the deep state form of yeah, Van der Waals forces. Yeah, they got forces. the good ones. David uh, David then starts talking about a compound called luciferase, and he says it's a light-emitting compound that the deep state will use to check people for vaccination. He says they'll uh, shine a blue light on us, and if you light up, it means you're vaccinated. 
Now, normally Dave would be able to get away with a claim like this because he is partially correct. Where he runs into problems is I actually happened to spend a decent amount of time studying Luciferes for a glow-in-the-dark product we were trying to make way back in the day. Uh So David is correct that Luciferes does emit bioluminescent light, but the problem is it only does so for about 15 minutes, and the half-life of the enzyme is only two hours. So that... It means if you got the vaccine, no one's going to be able to scan you like two weeks later and have it pop is still being bioluminescent. No, this is the better kind. Yeah, no, this is the good <laughs> kind. All the problems with my, my ideas just... No, these no. Are the, this is better. Yeah, that's that really is the way he gets around it. It's yeah. like, no, this is the good one. Is rejecting everything that doesn't fit with his hypothesis. Yeah, like, no, I can't be wrong. This, they got the good stuff. Well, I to be honest, I think David just saw... Luciferase and was like Lucifer, deep state, the oh, devil. Shit. Uh, it's the devil's dust. Yeah, I think that's all he really did here. Now, thankfully, we're off vaccines. Author's preface, part three. David takes this opportunity to again tell us that the first wave of ascension will arrive no later than Memorial Day of 2025. He again picks the exact date. <laughs> you know, these aren't really prefacing anything. They're just chapters. Yes, yes. It's. He, I don't think he understands how a preface is supposed to work. It contributes nothing to the book. It It's just a website post to the tag well, on to the beginning. A preface usually leads into things. It's not just different chapters. Typically, it would provide context for things that are about to come yeah. after it. Not, not just completely disparate ideas packaged yeah. together. You're just saying things. And this book happened to be one of the longer ones. This thing was fucking 500 plus pages. Very, very unfortunate. I mean, it's amazing he was turning out that much. Uh, it's, I'd like to know what the total page numbers add up to, because I think the only thing the prefaces do are, it allows him to hit, uh, I think two of these books were exactly 333 pages. Oh, I'm sure he's doing that. Yeah. So I think he just writes until he's like three, three, three. Look, it's repeating. I hit my number. (laughs) The, The Lord did that. Uh, so anyways, Memorial Day 2025, that is Monday, May 26th. So everyone notes your calendars, the Uh-oh. ascension is coming. Then, uh, then after that, we just get a sizable excerpt from the source field investigations. <laughs> <laughs> Done with the prefaces. Section one, October 1999, part four. David has a dream where he's in a house made of pink adobe, and he says the mafia was there. He interprets this as follows. David's note, this appears to be prophetic of the deep state rainbow mafia, or pink mafia as we could call it, (laughs) and their efforts to depopulate the planet. Hell yeah, gay mafia. There's a lot of gay mafia shit in this book. That seems to be his primary focus these days. Gay mafia? Is the gay mafia is going to get you to do things. Maybe he's concerned they're getting him to do things. In the analysis of uh, one of his dreams, he casually throws in, quote, This creature also reflects the very real problem Japan was having with an intelligent aquatic humanoid creature they called the Kappa. It would live in bodies of water and would run out and grab a child if it was hungry. Uh, I had never heard of Kappa before. I thought maybe it's some fucking real thing. No, it's like a, you know, cryptid. It's Bigfoot Loch Ness Monster style thing. Sounds like a frat name. It is, isn't it? Like Alva Kappa I think something. so. 
But uh, the good news is we no longer have to worry about the Kappas getting us in Japan because they were hunted to near extinction sometime around World War II. God bless the Japanese. Yeah, they're just... They eat the ocean dry. Killing whales, killing Kappas. Hell yeah, dude. You'd think we'd have some sort of evidence of them existing if the Japanese were hunting them, but... No, that's how much they ate. They ate their entire history. Yes, and then they ate the pictures of all them existing. Here's us. Here's some decent word magic. He he kind of went away from the word magic in the later books, which made me quite sad. Well, the word magic takes energy and thought. Yes, he's much uh, lazier these days, as we'll see as we he's, continue on. Here. He's just spewing some some stream of consciousness. I think he just wanted to finish these fucking books and, and couldn't be bothered to analyze further. That's true. He talked. He hyped him up so much he had to finish them. So one of the passages says, quote, was Da Vinci really married? Was he trying to run away? David's analysis is that the Mona Lisa was Da Vinci's own transgender self-portrait. This, <laughs> well, I, I have heard, I've heard people say it's a picture of Da Vinci if he were a woman. Well, I think, I think the model is actually Da Vinci's twink. Yeah, so maybe not quite transgender, but David's just a not, very effeminate man. Yeah, yeah David's not going to let. Uh, and now that's what Jesus looks like. <laughs> the truth won't get in the way of a good David analysis. This adds another layer of connection between Da Vinci and the deep state. In this case, Da Vinci includes the letters CIA. It also has all of the word vindicate except the last two letters. <laughs> I love that. It has all it's the words. It's all of them but the last yeah, two. Yeah, it's the whole word except the, the right, well, that that's, portion of the word. It's also like a fifth of the word. Everyone exposing the deep state will be vindicated. Was Da Vinci really married? Was he trying to run away? Is the deep state really married to its agenda? Or are they trying to find a way out? No, David, he was gay. We did also see Biden's wife, Jill, acting very friendly with another guy. Again, making us wonder if they are really married. Hell yeah, dude. Jill's a whore. Yeah. Yeah, I get David on blaze. Take that. He's clearly watching that kind of content. Take that. Take that, Jill Biden. You're a whore. (laughs) And you're not even a real doctor. David, uh, at least she's not a quantum doctor from acupuncture college, though. David apparently never learns. He he doesn't really clarify, but it seems like he showed these uh, prophecies back in the day to a publishing house. And uh, this, <laughs> David's note, this was prophetic of how the new publisher ended up severely criticizing my writing style and turned me down. <laughs> I put all the material out for free. I'd like to say that publisher back in the day did him a great fucking favor, not, uh, not I mean, allowing him to put this out. I mean, if you, especially if you read his early stuff now, you'd just be like, what the fuck is this? Yes, it's insanity. Yeah, it's fucking no, nuts. No publisher was like, I can sell this book. It's actually kind of remarkable if you think about it, that he went from this in like the year 2000 to being able to write coherent books in 2006 or so would probably be his first one yeah like 2006 up to like 2012 and then he just reverted back and then he just devolved rapidly it's kind of like the human life cycle you know baby shit in diapers and then when you get old again you're back to shitting in diapers he did that but with his brain it's just yeah yeah it really came unhinged important details in his dream quote Somewhere in the middle of all this, the military had a piece of seaweed that had dried and formed into an egg shape. It was actually aloe vera. I was checking with this guy to see if we could rehydrate the egg and turn it back into aloe vera. 
he was obviously gay. <laughs> uh, by the way, that's uh, that's prophecy of the Maui fire. What? And then, yeah, I know it makes it makes <laughs> no sense. Oh, here's the thing I mentioned earlier: uh, the hurricane in Florida and California that happened recently were direct energy weapons. Hell yeah, dude. We, Harp hit him with the hurricane gun. I don't know what kind of damage the one in Florida did, but the one in California didn't really do anything. I don't think either of them were terribly horrific. Maybe the gun's not as good at hurricanes as they're, it is at fire. They're still testing the gun. Yeah, they got they got workshop it a bit more. Quote, in order to receive messages from our domain, you were required to make great personal sacrifices, including the desire for personal gain. And then <laughs> David's note... I've been completely broke the entire time I wrote these books. <laughs> he, uh, God damn it, David, you fucked away so much money. He returns to that quite frequently. And then he, well, I guess that's in here, but yes, he justifies. Because several times throughout all these readings, Archangel Michael explicitly said, like, you cannot charge for this. I think maybe that was just David's conscience realizing, like, this is so shitty, no one should have to pay for it. But uh, I think he was probably just trying to make it seem cool that he was selling it. Yeah. You'd be like, I'm not even supposed to be selling this shit, but for $400. Well, he's. I think he's trying to claim, you know, he fulfilled that promise by putting it out for free back in the day. But now, now he must, he must profit. The Lord wills it. <laughs> Look, he must not be broke. Section 2, November 1999, Part 1. We're finally out of fucking October. The last time we covered this, though, almost that entire episode was just October of 1999. It was a, it was a very dream-happy year. So, uh, November 1999, Part 1. David has maybe dabbled in hallucinogens as of late. Hell yeah, dude. Let, uh, let me know what you think of this, because David's no. Although psychedelic mushrooms are legal in Colorado, I found that any amount of them can be extremely upsetting with all the wind we get up here. Kind of sounds like he yeah, a little dabbled, bit. right? A little bit. Plus, you can buy those, like, online. Uh, yeah, 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 you can. But so doesn't um, Jake, Jake Plummer grows sh shrooms in Colorado now? I, found, I saw, like, an athletic article about it. I think there's probably a lot of dudes who grow shrooms in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> so it, uh, I guess maybe he could be getting his hands on them. Look, if he's smoking marijuanas, it's not a huge leap. But a few sentence la uh, sentences later, this kind of reaffirms the theory. David also mentions that his therapist told him that LSD and other psychedelics could be uh, used in dealing with repressed memories. Man, so, his poor therapist. Well, I, can can you imagine being in the state of mind he's in and doing shrooms? I mean, yeah, because that can imagine it going wrong. That sounds incredibly irresponsible and dangerous to give a guy who thinks, who now blatantly, openly states he's telekinetic. I mean, he's not going to actually be able to do anything. It'd probably just be him in the fucking forest yeah. for a few hours being like, I'm levitating the leaves. Uh, but <laughs> but it, it, that therapist should be fucking uh, disbarred because I, David is so poorly connected to reality at this point. I think it's only going to take a gentle push before, before he completely snaps.
Or maybe he already has, but... I think he might probably already has. You know what it is? It's the Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns gets the, the checkup and the doctor shows him. He's like, you have all these diseases trying to get through the doorway, but there's too many. Yeah. So you can't get in. And he takes <clears throat> away that he's invincible. He's like, no, even the lightest breeze will cause you to die. Yeah, I think he's just already so disconnected from reality. Nothing can really make it worse. It did also make me question whether or not this whole several year breakdown could have been precipitated by him dabbling in psychedelics. I mean, we know he did it when he was younger. Yeah. Well, that's why the, the wording here makes me think the, uh, cause he, he mentions the wind where he is fucks with him and he hasn't lived there his whole life. So it means yeah. he, he must've dabbled uh, semi recently. Now, uh, the rest of this section, it's mostly a bunch of bland dreams that David tries to attach to something pertinent. For example, quote, Why am I getting a haircut when I just had one? My hair looks fine. David's note. <laughs> Another time loop about my desire to get a haircut soon. Symb <laughs> Symbolically, this is about the deep state trying to coerce us into various behaviors. The cutting aspect of the scissors, along with the traditional LGBT association with hair salons, suggests that this is another dream metaphor of transgender surgery. <laughs> I... I Damn, dude, he's really in on the transes. It's the whole book. It's the whole <laughs> fucking book. But I love that he's like, haircut, who works at a salon, homos, <laughs> what do they want? They want to push the trans agenda. They want to cut their penis off. Yeah. Uh, another example, quote, the cockpit does indeed look out <laughs> over the valley. Yeah, you know where this one's going. And we know and understand that the inflamed passions of the ego can be a bit too extreme at times. David's note, there are further prophetic castration metaphors in this passage. <laughs> Cockpit, inflamed passions, piece by piece. That's all, uh, that's Hell all yeah, dude. part of the trans agenda to chop your cock off. Yep, yep. <laughs> Cockpit, cut your dick off. As foretold by David's uh, dreams. Section 3, November 1999, part 2. New David personality uh, drops here. He had a lost lifetime as a Persian king whose name was... I think it's pronounced Yolt, Y-O-O-L-T. I Googled it and couldn't find anyone by that name, but, you know, nice. who knows? I didn't spend a lot of time on it. So in, in addition to being all the other things, you know, Edgar Cayce, uh, David from the Bible, right, right. all kinds of stuff. He's also a Persian king. Uh, what did I title this? Oh, I just wrote, I'm so jealous of his ability to overlook what's wrong in favor of laser focusing on what's right. What is the... Oh, right. He includes a prediction here that was made by a guy named Sherman Skolnick. This prediction was made in October 2000 and involved him saying that the elections that were about to occur would have their results disputed. Word. So he got that part right. Like the All 2000 right. election was disputed. However, he said it would be done so that we could install a Rockefeller as the president slash king of the United States. Hell yeah, dude. So that part is pretty wrong. Bring back the monarchy. <laughs> but uh, David, of course, dismisses the entire portion that's wrong to focus on the fact that he got kind of right. Yeah. Hey, he got half of something right. David has a dream about uh, eating a Rice Krispie bar and then provides this analysis. David's note, about an hour before unsealing this, I ate a pumpkin seed butter bar from Jen's Cafe Bars, which has the same texture as a Rice Krispies treat. <laughs> he does so many of the synchronicities he uses in this uh, book are 
remarkably mundane. Yeah, it was so meaningless. There's like, I, I dreamed about a Rice Krispie bar, and then I ate something that wasn't a Rice Krispie yeah, bar, but it was kind of close. But it was kind of like it. Or the thing we just read with the haircut, where it's like, uh, I didn't get a haircut, but I've been thinking about yeah, it. but I thought about it. And that's pretty much the same thing. And some other time, I also thought about getting a haircut. Well, Crazy. Here's the thing. Uh, you're you're kind of always thinking about it. Because either you're, you're thinking about doing it or you just had one, so you're thinking about the fact that you just had one. Yeah. That's the only two states that exist. I like this. Uh, there's another dream shortly after where David notes that his dream had been telepathically influenced by his mother's cat. What? Yeah, yeah. I guess the cat was able to uh, somehow influence his dream. He didn't really get specific. But it's it, like Sabrina, his cat? Yes. <laughs> yes, it's Salem. So uh, I guess animals can telepathically communicate with David, which I guess makes sense with the chipmunks and stuff. That's true. He does think he talks to the wildlife. Yes, he's David Doolittle. David uh, dreams about some more trans shit, but there's a twist on this. David's note. This is prophetic of transgender surgery concerns, both castration and the loss of breasts on females. It is likely also a veiled memory from the parallel life. This is why we need him to do videos again, because I just want a PowerPoint of different like <laughs> trannies and like trans surgery. And today, be like, did you did you know that their studies on this are faulty? You kind of you you missed the the bombshell there though. He's kind of hinting that he's trans in his parallel life. That would make sense. Does, isn't one of them him being like a woman? Uh, okay, he was... God. This gets complicated. He was... A, when he was in his relationship with Yumi in this world, he, yes. he recalled a memory from a past lifetime in which he was a Japanese prostitute. Yes, so that's, well, that was He was it. a woman in that one, but then also in some of these readings, Archangel Michael apparently referred to him by the name um, Christina, I think it was. Yeah. So he he has some feminine tendencies tendencies. That'd be a funny way books. to explain transes. It'd be like, well, in past lives they were actually the other gender, <laughs> you know, but they goofed when they came out. Yeah. So they were supposed to keep being being women, but you know, it had a penis. There was a cosmic mix up. Yeah. In all their past lives they were women. Section four, December nineteen ninety nine, part one. He starts this section about uh, how this time period was the beginning of the end for his relationship with Sabrina. I'm so lonely. <laughs> God, I'm so lonely. Well, this is the crazy part. He mentions that the relationship with Sabrina is like definitely over and they don't like each other. But then he says they were together for another three years before they broke up. What? Yeah. So they were, they were at a point where like. How, so how early on did Beth hate him? <laughs> Probably pretty early. But yeah, I can't imagine staying in a relationship with someone you detest for... I can imagine David being too much of a pussy to break it off. I mean, three years is kind of a long time. You think he just kept trying to, to do things to make her break up with him for three years and... He just couldn't push her over the edge? No, we'll get in. I don't want to drop the bombshell now, but there was a very big reveal coming up. All right. I don't remember how shortly, but uh, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty wild. So David, uh, David then has a dream about uh, having a lightsaber battle. His saber is blue. His opponent's is, of course, pink. 
He says, uh, this is prophecy of gender-affirming surgery. He, <laughs> he also details how he cut his opponent into pieces by swinging his lightsaber in like an X shape. So, you know, he cut he, him. He zoroed him. Cut him across that way. But then he says he unsealed this reading on the same day Twitter was renamed X, thus proving Hell it yeah. was prophecy for the defeat of the deep state. David named Twitter. Yes, he made the letter X, and X became the name of Twitter. There's uh, another line in here that just says, quote, aggressive icons will not work. And then David said that was prophecy of Dylan Mulvaney. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. Here's a little glimpse at David's ego. He goes through a dream about being in an auditorium and a few black girls walk in and then some white girls walk in. And then the guy on stage asks the white women to leave. And da yeah. David springs into action stating, quote, then I just started to levitate over to the front of the auditorium where he could see me. I said, look, the fact that I am levitating right now should show <laughs> you that many of the same qualities that you expect from a teacher like Jesus are within me as well. Damn. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, so that's, a, you know, probably... Look, do you think Jesus could float? It's probably the fourth time David is pussy-footed around declaring himself yeah. Christ. I can fly, therefore I'm God. And somehow his ability to levitate saved everyone. I, I don't really understand how it that worked. It was so cool. Everyone was saved. I wish he would have gone into detail on why it is that levitation is so crucial. Because I feel like not much would... Like, imagine doing what we're doing right now, but we're three feet off the ground. Yeah, I would need to be actually able to fly, not just kind of hover. I guess the only, it'd be useful for transportation, but in the vast majority of day-to-day -day life, being able to hover is... I mean, I guess I assume he just thinks that that's what gods do. Fly, yeah. Yeah, well, they hover. It's like Superman. Yeah, they all, like, that's the sign of godhood is you can fly. I guess it'd make basketball really interesting if people could <laughs> just jump turn and in, hover. It'd turn into slam ball. Didn't they? They just brought a slam ball back. They bring slam ball back like every three years. Yeah, and then ten people break their tibia in the yeah. first week, and they're like, "Oh right, that's why that's, we stopped doing this." It's one of the world's most dangerous sports. Uh, I like that the medical advice he gives is something you would have heard in uh, ancient Greece or something. "Quote: Edgar Casey often recommended animated ash and ultraviolet light therapy for persons suffering from cancer." The readings stated that the animated ash would increase the oxygen in the body and assist the immune system in fighting cancer. So I guess, you know, you rub you your... You breathe better? You, you rub some ash on yourself and hit it with the black light, and that cures cancer. And then you're good. You know, you can walk that shit off. Oh, I wonder... Uh, oh, yes. I, I, I've been thinking about whether or not David might start coming back down to Earth now that he's finished uh, constantly reading these prophecies because to him he essentially believes everything that is occurring has already been scripted for him but only he has access to the script so we get things like this quote we see a few new things on the breakfast table and then david chimes in to note that he is late for breakfast on the day he is reading it so okay i well you see it had the word breakfast he was right, thinking right. about breakfast very tangentially I guess I'm not really sure where I'm going with this, but I'm thinking if David doesn't have to constantly bend life to fit the prophecy he's uh, reading, he might become less manic. Or would the the shattering of the illusion break him further? We'll get into that later, Because then he just realizes what he's done. 
that's uh, that's that going might to be, be the worse. Ultimate. Save that thought, because again, well, we get very good insight into David's mind state towards the end oh, of this. Yeah. Hell yeah! Section five, December nineteen ninety nine, part two. Uh, this is cool because it's prophecy of something both us and the audience have uh, witnessed. David predicted his black guys from Harlem, blunts, Philly blunt. Uh, Black guys from Harlem, blunts, white owl, Philly blunt. I I learned raps. He predicted that moment back in 1999. Nice. Quote, I was talking to these black guys in school. I kept wanting to do a rap for these guys. That's the whitest (laughs) sentence. I was going going to do a rap. I was going to do a rap for them so that they would embrace me as one of their own. I was going to make a hip hop for my black friends. When I actually started to think about the lyrics themselves, I again realized how vulgar they were and that it was not anything worth rapping about anymore. I had to be careful about which songs I performed for this reason. I th- he's just saying he doesn't want to sing the N-word, right? That's kind of how pretty I much, read that. Pretty much, pretty much. In the last scene, when I was rapping, some African-American women were interested in listening. Hell I, yeah, dude. I believe this was taking place in Don's kitchen. Don is the Don T, Donald Trump, the man with can opener hands. He, nice. he appears a lot. David's note. This is prophetic of the last YouTube video I did before a year-long hiatus where I rapped Mr. Bozak by EPMD and then had to suddenly cut it off. What a... By that he meant his penis. <laughs> what a mundane prophecy. I guess at least he referenced a good rap group. Yeah, I'm surprised he has taste like that, but it... David becoming a deranged hip-hop head's pretty cool. Prophecy of things like haircuts and breakfast or singing along to the lyrics of one of your favorite songs, that that probably shouldn't count as prophecy. Maybe he thinks if you prophesy about mundane stuff, that means you're so good, you even prof- prophesy the, the silly things. You know, uh, You know what I think it actually is? is David probably kind of keeps a batting average of his prophecy. Yeah. So a way to raise your batting average is, you know, breakfast happens every day. Yeah, so, get some easy ones. So if you if you write about breakfast, chances are it will happen at some point. Yeah, if you write about it the night before, you may wake up and have breakfast. Yes, breakfast or getting your hair cut. It's also, uh, it's funny that sometimes the prophecy predicts something that he doesn't even believe. Like there's a dream in here about a plane having engine troubles, and David says that's 9-11. But nice. the, the problem is David doesn't believe planes were involved in 9-11. He thinks it was done with mini nukes. So Maybe he's coming around to like they were in the planes. So why would the prophecy predict something that he doesn't believe actually? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. I'm not sure it's supposed to. Uh, well, I think it's supposed to, but only in the mind of someone as ill as David. Yeah. The crucifixion, oh, God, David. The crucifixion of Jesus predicted COVID. Um, <laughs> David just has a, he has a dream about the crucifixion. He's like, the spikes in the hands and feet, that's the needle of the, the vaccine or spike proteins. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Spikes, spike proteins. Yes. So Jesus Christ predicted COVID. Nice. And then the, the bar for prophecy just continues to get lower. Uh, quote, there were paper towels in the kitchen of the pizzeria. They had some very old-looking silverware. Everything had a 1487 on it, indicating the year. David's note, this is only 10 years before the great historical example of book burning in 1497. Hell yeah. So nothing, he said 1487, 
Nothing happened that year. No. So he fast forwards a decade yeah. to when there's a book burning, even though the prophecy had nothing to do with books or burning. Nope, not at all. So he said a number and then just found something kind of close to that number where something happened. It's like, hey, this happened sometime in history. I wonder what website he's using to look up all these events. Google. Probably. But yeah, I mean, that's just that's just lazy, David. Section 6, December 1999, Part 3. Reading, uh, yeah, reading this book, it felt like watching a fighter who got the shit knocked out of him, but he's trying to, like, poorly throw punches to defend himself so the referee can't stop it. Because here's some more word magic. He doesn't have his... He's just punch drunk at the end. I gotta finish the book. Oh. Well, that's why he was fucking bobbing and weaving and throwing counter punches in the earlier books. He was doing all that crazy word magic and like yeah. gematria. And now it's just, he's just, oh, oh, no, don't throw in the towel, coach. Well, I can keep fighting red. Now, now we get stuff like this quote, so as not to vacillate any further. The word vacillate sounds like the word vaccinate. So this was prediction Hell of yeah, the vaccine dude. in a warning to not vaccinate any further. Yeah, don't vacillate any further. Then a few pages later, he used the word vital. And vital sounds like vile. And you know what goes in a vial? Vaccines. Nice. He nailed it. Psychopaths are typically messy people. And that allows elementals to set up shop around them and control their actions. That's cool. So I guess if you got a messy room, demons hide in like piles of clothes and then jump into uh, you and fuck with you. They hide in your bad habits. Yeah. And then uh, there's some prophecy in here where it just, it doesn't, it makes even less sense than normal. Like this, quote, the cantaloupe of the higher realms will be split forth. David's note, immediately after unsealing, the cantaloupe will be split. I heard four loud consecutive noises in the house here on July 27th, 2023. He doesn't, he doesn't say what that means. I thought he was going to explain the cantaloupe part. Well, that's the thing. So he, he, the cantaloupe of the higher realms will be split, and then he heard a bunch of loud noises. Yeah, see, that's a sentence if someone told it to you on the street. You'd be like, oh, this dude's having a day. Yeah, that's a sentence you would hear from a guy in one of those assless medical gowns on a psych ward. Yeah, yeah. No, the cantaloupe. The cantaloupe. The deep state and reptilians made David trans. David nice. Snow, this is apparently a memory of a parallel life torture, such as injections and mind programming techniques that I have since healed from with Michael's help. As we will see, after I'm a, I am drugged on this table, I have to dress as a woman and star in a performance. This scene is repeated in other parallel life dreams I documented. He had multiple lives where he had to put on a dress and perform? Yeah, he had a lot of trans lives, I That's guess. That's pretty cool. Uh, the thing that turned him trans is he had to wear earrings, and then he put on a, a nose ring later. Oh, my God, I'm so beautiful. <laughs> David's note. It's funny you say that. David's note. Uh, the nose ring, again, links into the punk and LGBT communities. The deep state nice. attempted to entice them into mass obedience of their agenda. Yeah, you know what else has pierced nose? Lesbians. Trans people. Yeah. As part of this trans dream, one of David's friends is painting him, but someone else shows up to yell at the painter for stealing his paints. So I guess it's like body painting or something. The painter tells the guy accusing him of theft to go fuck himself, and David analyzes this by saying, a man who is using paints is an artist. The deep state has now associated artists with the LGBT movement so that the symbol is relevant here. 
This is therefore prophetic of we the people standing up to the pink mafia. All right. The reason uh, why I said what you said a moment ago is uh, pertinent. My favorite part of this dream is David does catch a look at himself in the mirror in the dream and declares that he's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) David's note, all of this is prophetic of the deep state's transgender initiative, trying to get men to fantasize about themselves as being women. In my case, this is probably also a parallel life memory of being dolled up like this before a show and trying to make it feel okay as I looked at myself (laughs) in the mirror. At this point, uh, we are in December of 1999, which means Y2K is fast approaching. Hell yeah. Um, David kind of gets more manic with his dreams here. He also chose this point in time, I guess he he, he assembled a three-foot copper pyramid over his bed. And he said that influenced his dream and uh, dreams and also caused time to speed up. I went and looked All for right. a copper pyramid because that sounded cool, but they're, they're a couple hundred bucks. Okay. Even more confusing is I thought the whole point of the pyramid is that it was the, the frequencies that like worked the magic right but the copper pyramid it's just the um frame there's no yeah there's no walls in the pyramid but if there's no walls how would it resonate at the proper frequency it's because of the shape yeah that makes sense (laughs) shaped like a pyramid so it works like a pyramid and it's made out of copper which is yeah that's a cool metal Maybe David's just a tweaker he probably fucking pawned it for meth yes he just went and scrapped it in the uh, you guys need copper in the middle of one of his dreams, David, seemingly without provocation, includes a note that says he thinks the main villain in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was based on uh, Obama. I, I didn't see Guardians 3. I think the actor was just black. Oh, so it was based. So every, <laughs> every black guy in a movie is based on Obama, <laughs> based on a true story. <laughs> I'm surprised. Uh, no, he probably would have released this too soon to get the Larry Sinclair interview. Yeah, we, uh, there's no mention of that in here. Uh, in this dream, David also sees a, quote, really overweight gay man with glasses. And then this is where things get really weird. Here's, here's the dream. Quote, all of a sudden, this fat guy had a big, horrible problem. They attached this tube to his rectum. The tube itself was clear and wide enough that you could see seven or eight inches of width in it. The hose was slightly larger than a dryer ventilation hose, but clear. He started going to the bathroom, and it started coming out in the tube. What came out was this gigantic mess of foam and feces. In the midst of it is what appeared to be a rather full-size octopus with giant tentacles and stuff. He was having a real hard time passing it, obviously. Some dude shit an octopus? Which, yes, a gay guy, big fat gay guy shit an octopus. But maybe diarrhea plane? David... Maybe partial credit on this one? Maybe. I have to know how he explains the octopus. Oh, he doesn't. Uh, what ends uh, up happening in this dream, so the gay guy shits out the octopus, and that's prophetic of the deep state losing. Um, <laughs> the, the dream the dream concludes David takes the, the gay shit octopus, and he spins around like a, dis- a discus thrower, and he chucks it in the ocean. Nice. And that's how the deep state is defeated. Yeah, by getting thrown in the ocean. Just grab something out of a gay man's ass and spin around in a circle and throw it's it. The, the LGBTs will save us one day. Just as we all predicted, the deep state would fall. Yeah. Uh, now we start to get into thing. Uh, the, the rest of this is kind of more what I hoped these books would be. It's just getting insight into 
David's personal life. Hell yeah, bro. This is uh, some insight from 1999. So, uh, this is his relationship with Sabrina being detailed. David, it seems as though I've been under almost a brutal assault psychologically from Sabrina in certain ways because of the nature of what I am doing. She just categorically refuses to accept what I'm doing on almost every level, it seems. She won't accept any of the major points of argument that this work is about. And furthermore, she is even violently opposed to the idea that I was anyone significant in the past. <laughs> <laughs> in a fight a couple days ago, she called... Yeah, this is great. In a fight a couple days ago, she called me His Holiness. <laughs> I told her immediately that this was uncalled for. I was not happy about that at all when she said it. That's so fucking funny. She has been systematically attacking me, saying that my ego is too big. She absolutely <laughs> refuses to let me have any authority. It is quite damnable in many ways. It is almost like she is creating dysfunction. And then she says, I don't know why we are so dysfunctional, as though it were not any of her fault. Damn, it was this bitch the whole time. But oh, hi, your <laughs> holiness. But uh, it's hard to believe she couldn't read the gay octopus shit dream and see him as the prophet he was. That's just so funny, because you know he cried. Of course no, he did. don't say I'm not Jesus. It gives insight into David's ego, though, is that seemingly... Oh, I was Edgar Casey. Why would you say <laughs> I wasn't? I was Rapitaw. Yeah, don't say that. Seemingly, everyone around David was telling him he was full of shit, and he just couldn't accept well, it. Well, that's his superpower. He's yeah. like, nah, I'm killing his, his, David's like, no, nah, I'm crushing, bro. Yes, his superpower is being so socially inept that yeah. he can't see. I don't get why everyone him. else is tripping. I'm doing fine. Now, this I said uh, when when I mentioned the the couple staying together after things had chilled for three more years, and it, it got more insane. This is the part I was referring to. Later in that same day, Sabrina announced that David would be cut off from pussy. And this is where, <laughs> this is the insane part. David says from that day on, quote, they became a predominantly celibate couple. So, so David. They're, they're roommates. For three years, he lived with a woman he was theoretically dating. No sex. Nah, that's a roommate. Well, I, I did find this part interesting because uh, you remember that comment from our video I read? That, uh, that random comment that talked about uh, Beth being like a tantra teacher and there were a few oh, other predictions yeah. there. One of the things he said is the ex-girlfriend and David did not have sex. So I still can't confirm whether or not that comment's legitimate, but I will say he called this before anyone else. That was one of David's altars. It could be. Telling <laughs> yeah, that, on was, that was Archangel Michael. David's altars trying to out him. The next few readings just sort of uh, tie back into David thinking Sabrina is a bitch, for example. David's Sabrina the teenage bitch. <laughs> I did learn to be very careful about every word I said in an argument. If I made any mistake, the entire argument would pivot around whatever I just did. Damn. So, yeah, David. I hope he gets into Andrew Tate. Yeah, he, it, he'll he probably if hop If she on. had just been submissive, we'd have been fine. He's going to hop into the red pill space now that it's dissolved. David would fit right in in the manosphere. Section 7, we've officially entered the millennium. And this is a... Do remember, David was kind of preaching the whole Y2K thing. So everything that occurs after here is after one of his biggest failed predictions. Yeah. So keep that in mind. This section has the grand finale dream, uh, which is about him meeting a queen, and then there's a fire. The, the dream is long as fuck, and it just goes on and on. But the brief analysis is that the uh, 
At the time, the fire was prophetic of his alcoholic neighbor's house burning down. Hell yeah. And now he says the fire is prophetic of the Maui fire, naturally. Of my alcoholic house being (laughs) burned down. But more importantly is that the, uh, in the dream, the fire eventually leads to the defeat of the deep state. So, you know, the Maui fire is apparently necessary for us to defeat the deep state. Ah, those people had to die. So I will say for the grand finale of a 3,000-page series, it's pretty fucking lackluster. But even more bizarre is there's 100 more pages in the book after the grand finale. Yeah, you know, it was early, like David does during sex, he came early. Yes, he doesn't, uh, his formatting is yeah, off. Yeah, he prematurely ejaculated <laughs> the finale. A premature proclamation. Yeah. All the readings from here on out, uh, oh yeah, I already said that, it happens after Y2K. Uh, David reflects on Y2K not happening, saying, quote, I was so totally prepared to deal with it that when it didn't happen, I had to rethink my entire life. I also started to feel as if all the prophecies were wrong and that society would just keep on lumbering along indeterminately. This is where we really get insight into his mind, because now we're getting access to his head right after one of his biggest failed prophecies. Yeah, how is he taking it? So uh, if Y2K not happening caused him to rethink his life, imagine how he feels now that he found out the fucking SSP isn't real. Maybe that's the last time he did it. And though. the days of darkness isn't real. What, he, that he, he ever doubted? Well, yeah, he only rethought it that one time. But it does, it kind of checks out that that so greatly damaged him. Yeah. I mean, it's what we've been saying the whole time, is he was yeah. wrong so much that fucking it broke him. Look, what, man can only take so much uh, incorrect uh, predictions. Being wrong in public? Yeah, there's only so many times you can do it for it just breaks you down. So he brings this up a few more times, talking about how it not happening made him question whether or not any of his prophecies were accurate. And then his dad calls him and says this, quote, Well, David, if you want to keep your business going, you'd better stop making these crazy disaster prophecies that we all know are never going to come (laughs) true. Otherwise, you might have to start looking for another job. So it really is everyone in David's life at the time. They were trying to help. Look, he had a good support unit. He just was too delusional to listen. He was too egotistical to think that maybe he's not the second coming of the Messiah. How dare you question his identity? Uh, a little further, David says, quote, if that idea were true and these readings were simply crying wolf with no wolf, then I would feel a sense of extreme responsibility. So, again, he, he notes that his predictions being wrong would cause him to have a sense of extreme responsibility. So I think we're vindicated is what I'm getting at yeah. here. I'm taking a victory lap. We've been saying that for a very long time, that this insanity is the result of him being so tremendously wrong. And it turns out that seems uh, pretty, pretty fucking accurate. David being ba- uh, David, though, this may be uh, my favorite part of him. It's the, I've talked about this before, too, which is the asymptote theory I have about David and self-realization, mm-hmm. which he, const- he gets right up against having a realization and then just completely reaches the wrong conclusion. I think that's a safety mechanism. Because, so he takes all this information, but... He never considers the possibility that he's not actually channeling an extraterrestrial. No. What what he takes this is it's not he would feel bad not because he's been saying the wrong shit. He would feel bad because the alien in his head has been tricking him. The uh, the Archangel Michael has been lying to everyone. He never stops to consider that Archangel Michael is maybe, uh, you know, not real. 
Well, I mean, that would ruin his whole view of the world. Yeah, it sure would. <laughs> yeah, he can't realize that. God damn, what I would do to have an ounce of this level of confidence. Yeah, that delusion is pretty sweet. Because to be thinking you're talking to uh, Archangel Michael. Yeah, I'm not wrong. You're all fucking wrong. Yeah, I'm not wrong. Archangel Michael fooled me. Yeah. He lied oh, to me. Do you talk to uh, deities? I <laughs> didn't think so, loser. From uh, from there, we quickly skip to July of 2023 for concluding notes on the father of anti-gravity. He explains how we got into this uh, massive a s- series. Excuse You're me. probably wondering how <laughs> I ended up here. Well, here's what went down. Quote, the way I discovered the time loop that revealed the Michael prophecies was by remembering that Michael had once called me the father of all anti-gravity. This all started in October 2021. I looked for these words in my main journal file for any sign of where I might have been called the father of antigravity. I found two passages, as we will see. Then I decided to go backwards in time by a few months. As I began reading Michael's words, I realized everything was prophetic. And that's when he throws in that there's still more to unseal in the future. Hell yeah, dude. So really, this this entire... He hits him with a coming next Christmas. Yeah. Now, we've, uh, we're getting towards the end here. Section eight, the Great Fire. This uh, this section has some of his website posts from the. I'm going to burn down the Colorado <laughs> forests. That I'm just saying, if he wants to make his prophecy, sometimes you got to do for yourself. The you Lord gotta, won't do everything. Yeah, you got to be about it. Yeah, you got to. Maybe you've got to go start some fires yeah. in Maui to prove yourself I right. I might have started the fire. <laughs> there's uh, there's another part in here where he kind of does the asymptote. Uh, realization thing again. He talks about watching a movie uh, called Pi, which is about a mathematician who goes crazy trying to figure out uh, the mathematical equation of life. He said the movie was very stressful for him to watch. Doesn't say why. Uh, I, too, never figured out Pi. Well, yes, I would posit that he probably uh, empathizes with a guy who's gone insane trying to find yeah. meaning in David, absolutely everything. David's just like, he's just like me. Yeah. We're the same. <laughs> I'm also a mathematical genius. <laughs> In one of the David uh, David's notes sections, he describes a scene from elementary school in which a kid told everyone they could be in his group, but first they had to be initiated. This this has nothing to do with anything. I just thought the kid was funny. Here we go. He lined up about 20 guys against a chain link fence and punched each of us in the stomach, myself included. He hit me really hard. It was pretty bad. Once everyone got punched, that was it. There was no <laughs> gang. We all got played. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. He then, as we, uh, he, you know, this is a good move. At the end of the entire series, he tries to finally kind of explain the timeline thing that I've been bitching about. Quote, we also remember that Michael used the year 2010 to indicate 2020. Oh, oh God, we froze. Oh, no. I hope that uh, uh, it doesn't really matter. The, the deep state is interfering with us. We'll... We'll, we'll be able to keep keep going here. Damn, scalar weapons. <laughs> Every time. It just keeps happening right at the end. It does. So uh, We also remember that Michael used the year 2010 to indicate 2020 in COVID in book one. Therefore, 2000 also appears to symbolize 2020, the alternative 2012. So in case that wasn't clear to anyone, 2000 is also 2020, which is also 2010, which is also 2012. It's an interesting workaround. Yeah, sure. Why not? What if all the years were the same? 
there's uh there's a reading from early 2000 where the first part of the reading is about how david needs to charge for this material then archangel michael jumps in and he says you can't sell it because these words are owned by god and nice. then David chimes back in in the present timeline to say, uh, Oh, touche. Yes, he says, quote, This type of product must be sold for money in order for the <laughs> message to be able to reach his readers. Yeah, Michael, you know, he's he comes from a rich family. <laughs> he doesn't get it. Also, he reveals his next video course will be him going over the most jaw-dropping information contained in these books. Yeah, how to suck a penis. So he is not... He's not going to be moving on from Michael. It seems like he's just going to continue to well, double down. You know, I think part of him realized I could just have Corey good as a partner, but not real. Yeah, I can. Just I could invent just make someone. I could invent Corey good in my mind. He lives within me now. Yeah, it doesn't get fifty percent of the money. No. Section nine, January twenty ten. Uh, somehow the stuff from 2010, immediately after he tries to explain the timeline, he violates his own timeline rule. So somehow stuff from 2010, which is also 2000, 2012, and uh, 2020, is predicting what we have going on in present day. There was a passage that had the word trophy, and he said that predicted that Riley Gaines video from a few days ago where nice. she broke her swimming trophy. Hell yeah, dude. But... Even stranger is he said he used the word inculcation, which sounds like inoculations. So it actually also predicted the vaccine. Ah, of course. So in 2010, he predicted something that happened a few days ago as we record this, but then also right. the vaccine, which was 2021. So yeah. I, I don't know how that. I could predict yesterday, tomorrow, and three years ago. Finally, finally, we enter the conclusion, and this. It's a doozy, folks. Uh, he immediately starts the conclusion by saying there will be another Michael book in the future. His next work, The Cosmic Diaries, will include three 100-page science fiction stories he wrote in high school. If you want to watch us uh, reenact one of his high school dramas, you can. I think if you just search our name and then table read David Wilcock. Yeah, it's, it's there somewhere. Yes, we've read one of these stories. Then there's a, a section called Processing Very Deep Grief. Clearly, my parallel life experiences were a practical equivalent to the legends of hell in multiple cultures across time and space. There was a place of pure horror living within me, a place where if you ever dared to disagree with your superiors, they literally put you to death and resurrect your body. Certain things as a child would cause me to go into panic attacks. One example was watching Escape from Witch Mountain, which featured kids being abducted. The UFO in this show caused me to surge into an incredible panic. My fears came to a peak in a scene that featured an alligator in the river. Somewhere, in some other part of my mind, this lifetime lives and breathes as a very real thing. I was put through countless biblical horrors and made to suffer. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, and then David gives some more insight into, into his mental state as of late. Quote, as I began unsealing these books and realizing the enormity of the Michael prophecies, I also had to come to grips with the horror of the parallel life. I realized that I was dealing with many different traumatic subconscious memories from the parallel life, including the most extremely violent forms of abuse. All of these horrific memories were surging through my mind as I stood out at my altar on the land. I was in front of a loose tree stump. Nothing too fancy. The wind was blowing so hard that I could actually lean back and sit down on it. I estimate that it <laughs> I estimate that to be about 75 miles per hour. 
I spoke to the universe in a commanding hero voice, hero voice, all <laughs> capitalized, and said that I no longer needed to torture myself about whatever happened in my past. I have earned my right to freedom by the natural and just karmic laws of the universe. The wind howled around me as I yelled out, by decree of Archangel Michael, <laughs> I am free now. <laughs> At this moment, all the raging wind came to an absolute, complete stop. Hell yeah, dude. David yelled at the universe. It gets kookier. Uh, here's, here's one of David's endeavors. Quote, I just went into a, lo a local store for the third time. The lights in the store flickered. In obvious, intense, undeniable synchronicity with key moments, such as at the end of key sentences in our conversation. As I got more intense in describing the anticipated scenario you have heard me lay out so many times, the light started fluctuating from 15 to 65% brightness. Uh, according to David, the store owner eventually asks him, uh, what's going on with lights? Like, are you responsible for that? And David responds, Probably so. I am doing magic now. I'm doing magic now. Uh, David then goes back to the store two weeks later to discuss the lights with the store owner. It is so fucking insane that he he's at his local store telling him he can fucking control the lights with his mind. Don't, no, don't worry. It's not your lights. It's just me. Anyway, David goes back to the store two weeks later to discuss this occurrence with the store owner and said he was making him laugh uncontrollably by doing, quote, my new Australian Monty Python comedy character, Col <laughs> Colin McGeezer. <laughs> so David is going to his local store. In addition Hell yeah. to controlling the lights with his mind, he's doing Colin McGeezer to him. Why how you doing, bruv? The, quote, the lights directly shift with her thoughts. Her own energy only causes about 10 to 15% brightness change on average. With Michael's help, it fluctuated by a whopping 60 to 70%. She was completely unaware that the lights were fluctuating perfectly with the pattern of her thoughts until I pointed it out to her yesterday. So David, <laughs> just to recap, David goes to his local store. He, he tells the owner he's been controlling the lights with his mind. Yeah. Then he breaks into his uh, Australian fucking Colin McGeezer character. What's going on with the lights, eh? And then he tells the store owner that it's actually her. The lights are responding to the thoughts in her head. Oh, excuse me. Uncle Colin's got a bit of the electricity. Can you imagine we're, we're accustomed to dealing with David? Good day, gentlemen. <laughs> Can you imagine a... a civilian a normal person interacting with that i mean that store owner probably just be like oh he's a little different oh yes da he's, he's a special. special he's a special boy yeah david he uh, lives on his own it's very impressive david also includes apparently we have all been witness to his telekinetic abilities i didn't even fucking realize it oh we've seen it yeah we did an episode about it i guess uh Accidentally, David's evidence of his telekinetic abilities uh, is present in his chicken wing video and also the video where he films the snow on his roof. Hell yeah. I, don't remember... I love the chicken wings, what he's pointing to, because that's just a video of him dunking, dumping a pile of chicken wings onto his grill. Covered in maple syrup while it's raining outside. Yeah. But he says, I guess in that video, he said lightning uh, struck right after he said it would. And then in the snow video, snow fell off the roof when he said it would. Nice. I don't recall that. But if anyone wants to go, yeah. uh, I don't re What's the title of that episode when we did it? <sighs> Something about David Wilcock is Lord of the Squirrels or some shit Something like that. Something like maybe. that. Uh, 
and then we get this. Quote, some people think I am going crazy because of these two Colin <laughs> McGeezer videos, which, fe- which feature 35 minutes of straight comedy. Straight comedy. <laughs> Dude, David's crushing. I know. It. I am not going crazy. This is acting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. I'm not going crazy. This is a bit. I think at a certain point it's not. No, acting. this is this is all a goof. No worries. That one woman said it was the single funniest thing she had watched in the last two and a half years. <laughs> what a fucking precise thing. That uh, that also reminded me in David's latest email where he's talking about upping the price and selling the audiobooks. He he said a 30-year professional in the audio, audiobook industry told him he had the top three voice <laughs> of all time for audiobooks. Look, his audiobooks are good. And then we get some analysis on David's Moose video. Quote, it starts fairly slow and weak, but then ramps up into 20 minutes of incredibly hilarious comedy and was the first full-length stand-up routine I recorded. Nice, or, I'm dude. sorry, ever did. So that was uh, David thinks filming a moose and doing a funny voice. That's stand-up comedy. No, that's the good stuff. Oh, for the love of God, someone book him. Joe Rogan, <laughs> book, book David Wilcock at the Comedy Mothership. I just, this he just needs to start making videos again. Because if he's going to be funny, like, come on, David, give people what they want. So David then, uh, he concludes the book with 10 straight pages of Q posts and also excerpts from the Department of Defense's Law of War manual. Nice. <laughs> and there you have it, everyone. That is Hell the yeah, Michael dude. Prophecies, book seven, the end of this very long process we've we gone through. We finished it. I am so happy we're done with that. I'm also happy he ended it by providing analysis on his uh, wildlife videos. Yeah, well, I mean, he's very proud of everything he does. Well, because it really, it gives better insight into how he's feeling. And I guess the answer, he really has gone completely nuts, but he doesn't seem to give a fuck. He should be an IRL streamer. He should just stream himself oh all day. Oh my God, yes. I don't yeah. know, but... Uh, just it, David being kooky all day long. It seems like we're going to get David back on YouTube soon, and I pray that includes uh, some more wildlife videos as opposed to just lecturing. The wildlife videos were probably his best work. Absolutely. Yeah, those were fucking funny. But, you know, he does he, he does reiterate multiple times. He's got to make some money. So he's going to come back for video, but I don't know if he's going to put well, it out he'll for do free. It, he'll do it live in live stream to get super chats. I'm hoping so. I don't think, I think David's audience is probably diminished to the point where he can't just put out something behind a paywall without no. offering a, a, a tease. I think the Super Chats is the only way he's making money. Plus, he'd probably make more money live streaming all the lectures than he would selling them. Easily. So. Easily. Lord willing, that's uh, that's what we get. But there we have it. That's it. We made it, folks. Barely. Yeah. <laughs> Barely. My insanity is up. Hanging on by a thread, but Poorly we Poorly held it. together. All right, patreon.com slash hidden plain side pod. We've got uh, probably more interventions going to be on for a yeah, while. Look, <laughs> look, it's been a while since we've watched them all. Yeah, Brandon and I have fallen back into our <laughs> old habit of just watching intervention. Uh, at hidden plain side radio Instagram, we're at the hidden pod on Twitter. And uh, oh, you are at Brandon Steel Hidden on Instagram. Who do you? Mom out. Yeah.